Blog Talk Radio. Uh, all the time type of thing. 
And that, that's that's the thing we initially see. Anytime it's talked about egg washing, egg refrigerating, any of that, that, that everybody just falls onto this, this bloom thing. It's like, hey, I want to coat myself in this bloom, then I'm bulletproof, and I'll never get sick, and I'll never get the flu, and I'll never get, you know, let's re, reproduce this bloom, and then I'll paint my body with it every day, and everything will be fine. Not so. It's not perfect. Um, it does have a job. It does that job very well, but by no means is it perfect to, to where you should just, ah, there's the bloom on the egg. I don't have to worry about it. Dang, dang. No. Um, so there are some things that, uh, and, and of course, uh, to go back a little bit, when I searched for someone to write that article about the egg washing and egg refrigeration, um, I did not reach out to the FDA. I did not reach out to the CDC. I did not reach out to the USDA because we know what they're going to say. Wash and refrigerate, wash and refrigerate. And, and that brings up another big thing. How many times on chicken blogs and forums have I had seen somebody always post, we're the only country in the world that refrigerates eggs. Malarkey. Get that out of your brain. Uh, not true. Okay? Um, so, so every time you see that post, whoever look, look at who made that post and say, they're a liar. That's not true. That's absolutely false information. But for some reason, that's taken the blogs by storm. We're the only country that refrigerates the eggs. No. That's not true at all. So um, very interesting. And, and in fact, in, in many cases, and, and then they see the tagline, they say, oh, well, why are we the only country that refrigerates eggs? We don't. Um, it's not, not the case that we're the only country that refrigerates our eggs. But the other issue is they don't dig any deeper than that. It's just a little tagline. You know, oh, we don't refrigerate eggs. Um, they don't do any more research than that. Then realize that in many of these countries where they don't refrigerate their eggs, it's mandatory they vaccinate all the hens for salmonella. We don't do that here. So, um, you know, dig a little deeper, folks. Don't just look at the, the tagline on the blogs and forums. That'll get you in trouble. That will kill your birds. We've already talked about that a million times, right? Okay. Show me the proof. Four favorite words when looking at blogs and forums. So we've got a great show lined up for you today, talking about this controversial subject of washing and refrigerating eggs. And we're not going to probably change anybody's mind. You're going to do what you're going to do regardless. But we're going to give you some information you can choose to do with that information, what you wish. But we're going to give you the right information. None of this rumors and myths and stereotypes and all this garbage. You know, if you want to coat your egg in Vaseline and drop it in a box of sawdust and eat it nine years from now, get yourself out. Go right ahead. <laughs> I've seen that too. Um, uh, I'm not stopping you. You're an adult, <laughs> so so go for it. But uh, the information we're going to give you again, sound, true, science-based, fact-based, study-based information, and then you can use that information and then choose what you. Maybe you at the end of the day you'll choose not to wash, but you'll refrigerate. Uh, maybe you'll just uh, refrigerate and then wash right before you use the egg. Um, for me, my personal issue is that I'm 47 years old. And in my 47 years on Earth, I honestly feel like that I've never in 47 years cracked an egg uh, to make something, bake something, cook something, whatever. And I haven't had a piece of the shell fall into the bowl. Well, there's some nasty stuff on the shell. Okay, It's all coming out of the same hole. Okay, And then now it's just entered into my food source. Yeah, cook that chicken 165 degrees. Cook those eggs so they're not runny all over the place. Whatever. You know, hey, that's perfectly fine. That That's a solution, okay? Um, you crack the egg. Look, look, where does that egg white go? It runs down the shell of the egg and drops into the bowl, picking up any bacteria on the outside of the egg. So while the bloom, not allowing some of the bacteria to go in the egg, when you crack it open, guess what? That white runs right down the outside of the egg, picking up all that bacteria and into the food it goes. 
cook it at 165 degrees or greater, you know, internal temp or for, for the chicken, the egg, you know, a nice, um, you know, non-runny egg. And it's your call. I know people eat raw eggs all the time. Um, I know that people like those runny eggs on those on that white toast. Um, again, knock yourself out. I'm not saying good or bad, but we're going to have a great show lined up for you today with uh, Dr. Maurice Potesky, um, ultra veterinarian, epidemiologist, I believe, out at UC Davis, and a chicken lover himself. And uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And like I said, at the end of the day, we're probably not going to change many minds, but we might give you some information to, to have. Information is a good thing. Information is power. Um, and so, again, we've got a great show. Hey, want to remind everybody, before we go to our first commercial break, before we bring on the, the good doctor, um, the fall issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine is now out, uh, the digital edition. If you subscribe to the print edition, you'll probably receive that in the next 7 to 10 days in your mailbox. If you subscribe to the digital edition, you probably got that in your email today. Uh, and it, it's chock full of all kinds of great uh, topics. Let me see if I still no, I have closed my email. But let's see, it's got a great topic uh, about the use of uh, uh, calcium. And anyway, great. I, I don't have it right in front of me. So uh, and I've moved on to even working on the winter issue and work revision. So it's uh, not on the tip of my tongue right now, but it is out. In fact, you can read every single issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine by going to the website chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And we, while you're there, we hope you sign up for the free, keyword there, free digital edition. Then we'll email it to you four times a year. Great information, um, fact-based, science-based, fact-based, study-based information. You'll never see a chicken wearing any kind of diapers. You'll never see chickens wearing clothes in my magazine. And uh, we just we kind of put our foot down and you probably in at any time won't see any bloggers that have kept chickens for two years writing for our magazine as an expert. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah, go check that out. Chickenwhisperermagazine.com. I'll be sharing it on our Facebook page as well later this afternoon for those to click through and, uh, read all about it. There's a great article in there about betting, um, as well. And, and, and biosecurity, if you free range, so uh, some great articles in that. So we're going to go to our first commercial break. We have two in uh, every uh, episode, uh, I guess, much less than AM and FM radio and much less than even TV. So uh, no complaining. But we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we will bring on our good friend, uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski, and we'll be talking all about uh, the controversial subject of washing and refrigerating Egg. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this short message. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. 
They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. Um, let's get on with the show. We're going to be talking about today the uh, kind of controversial subject of washing and refrigerating eggs with our good friend, Dr. Maurice Pateski. Let's go ahead and bring him on live right now as soon as this stops spinning. The switchboard kind of kicked in. Uh, welcome, Doc. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Andy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hope you had a, a, a great trip. I think you've been on since you uh, headed over to Spain, but uh, so we know you had a good trip. We're looking forward to maybe uh, scheduling a show topic to discuss kind of everything that was uh, uh, learned and discovered on the trip. And we tried to get this show done, but I think I was on tour at the time and um, I didn't get out of a meeting in time or something happened and it just didn't pan out. And I didn't want to rush it into this show because it was going to be, it's a great topic. It's a popular topic. It's controversial and, and uh, we've, We've covered it a couple of times, but I really wanted to do another show on it so with yourself, and so here we are taking some time to, to do so. So it is a controversial subject. Everybody has their opinion. I think like you and I talked uh, on the phone, we probably won't change anybody's minds, but we can give them good information that then they can use that information how they wish. We may They may make some changes in the way that they do things. I will start off by saying, and, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you, my friend, but I think, and what I've seen over the years, 
when it comes down to this topic, when someone posts something about it on a blogger forum, uh, 99% of the responses are, you don't have to worry about any of that because there's a bloom. And they put so much, I mean, it's like, it's like oh my gosh, if, if Superman, I, I think his whole outfit is made out of the bloom based on how these people talk. It's bulletproof, it's, it's, it's knife proof, it's, you know, radiation proof, it's, it, it, just the way they talk about this bloom, this cuticle. You don't have to worry about it. It protects the egg. It's absolutely amazing. It's, so I, I'm thinking maybe, maybe I could get, you know, man, remanufacture this, this bloom and paint it all over my body, and I won't have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. Cause I will be, I'll never get the flu. I'll never get the, the stomach bug. I will be golden. And that's what I see over the years, that everybody falls on that, and they just – I feel it's kind of a false um, – uh, feeling of, of just protection because of the bloom. And I, I try to tell folks, because we've had some experts on before, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing, and it does a job uh, to try to prevent bacteria from getting inside the egg, sure. But it is not perfect. It's far from perfect. It's not the end-all, save-all type of thing. But it, it does have a job, and, and it does its job, I guess, fairly well. But that's the biggest thing I wanted to start to show off with is so many people just when that topic starts up, don't, you don't have to worry about any of that because there's the bloom. And then, and of course, everybody just kind of falls into that, that all the ducks in a row type of thing. So I wanted to start off with that because I see that being a big issue um, with it. And then, and then you've got some of these uh, articles. I don't know if you want to call them on the fringe or whatever, but uh, we've seen things like, well, if you coat the egg in Vaseline and store it in sawdust, uh, coat it in Vaseline, store it in sawdust, then, then it's going to be great for nine months, maybe even several years. And I'm like, knock yourself out. You know, you're an adult. You can do what you want to. And then I guess at the end of the day, me personally, I, I look at a lot of, how long can I keep these eggs? You know, three months, four months, just sitting on the counter or whatever. And, I, and my, <laughs> the first thing that comes into my mind, Doc, is, you know, are y'all eating your eggs? I mean, how long do you really keep your eggs around? I mean, is, is three months really a valid issue? It's kind of like, oh, yeah, my truck, it's a diesel, and I can get a million miles on it. Well, that's going to take you 30 years. Are you going to have that truck in 30 years? It's like, uh, if you do this with your eggs, it'll last for six months. Um, you know, I, I'm eating my eggs, or I'm giving them away, or I'm selling them. I'm, I mean, is that really a uh, – is that a moot point? I can keep – they'll last for three months. I've never had an egg – three months anywhere in my house. So so I, I kind of fall back on that as well. How realistic is that if it even may last three months? So I'm turning it over to you. That's that's my little uh, uh, rant. I wanted to start off by that, just from things I see on all these blogs and forums. So I'll turn it over to you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thanks again, Andy. And I think as we, we talked about this, uh, I think a couple radio shows, just uh, we kind of broached the subject a little, and I was joking around that uh, – there's three subjects I don't talk about in polite company, uh, religion, politics, and, and whether or not to wash eggs or not, because as you alluded to, it's, 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 it is a controversial topic for people. Um, but what I'm going to do, I'm, 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 like you said, I'm probably not going to change any minds. Um, I'm relatively agnostic about it as far as washing versus not washing. Uh, storage, I'm a little more, not a little more, I'm, I'm, I'm keen on refrigerating eggs versus not refrigerating eggs. I'll talk about that in a little. Um, that's because we live in a developed country where we have refrigerators that uh, stay on constantly. But if we were somewhere else in the world where refrigerators were going off and on and off and on, then I would have a completely opposite opinion, and I'll 
discuss that mm-hmm. in a few minutes. Um, the one thing I just really do want to say is that um, whether you wash your eggs or not, like I said, I'm relatively agnostic on. The only thing I am mm-hmm. um, adamant on is that you do it correctly. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a lot of people that have their hearts in the right place, but there are some things on the Internet um, that, are, that are probably not uh, helpful. And uh, mm-hmm. in fact, I would consider uh, dangerous. So I, I want to um, kind of address some of those issues. But I, I think if we want to just take one step back, you know, what's the reason that we wash or don't wash eggs? And it really comes down to the bacteria Salmonella and one specific type of bacteria called Salmonella enteritidis. And if you look at most um, global data on what causes foodborne illness in eggs, we're typically dealing with uh, the most common flavor, if you will, of salmonella we're typically dealing with is salmonella enteritidis. So really what we're talking about, whether we're washing the eggs or believing in the bloom or refrigerating or not refrigerating, all these things, we're really talking about how do we control, in that worst-case scenario, if we had salmonella enteritidis on our egg, how would we get it off our egg? Do we believe in the bloom? Do we put it in the refrigerator because salmonella doesn't grow that well in the refrigerator? Do we try washing it with the risk of... um, pushing that bacteria past the uh, pores in the egg and into uh, the internal contents of the egg, um, what do we do? And, and that's really what I want people to think about. Um, you know, a lot of us eat eggs in a lot of different types of settings. So if, if you're kind of the person who just hard boils your egg and uses it in cakes and things like that and you cook it, um, to 165 degree uh, temperature um, as, as, as eggs in theory should be cooked, you have nothing to worry about. You could put a bunch of salmonella enteritis inside the egg and it's not going to matter at all. Um, but some of us, uh, including myself, like to eat uh, raw cookie dough on occasion when we're making cookies with our, our children, uh, ice creams, uh, homemade ice creams have raw eggs in them, Caesar salad dressings will have raw eggs, uh, homemade mayonnaise, egg benedict, eggnogs, um, if you're like me and you like that kind of runny, sunny side, um, mm-hmm. side up uh, fried egg sandwich, those are going to have um, the internal contents of that are not getting to the correct temperatures. So all those type of foods um, have some risk associated with them. Now, to kind of give you a little perspective on the risk, it's the CDC estimates that one out of every 10,000 table eggs sold in the United States has salmonella enteritis in it. Now, the next question, which we don't really know the answer to, is how much salmonella enteritis is in each one of those one eggs, um, because we do have what's called an infectious dose. So if you got one organism, uh, that's not going to make you or myself sick. Um, but if you've got 1,000 organisms, yeah, that's probably getting close to you know, what we call an, an infectious dose 50, where uh, a significant percentage of the population would get sick. So we need to kind of think about how we consume eggs, and, and that at some level might guide us uh, on what decision we make, whether we're going to be washing our eggs or not washing our eggs. One thing I did want to make people aware of, you can buy pasteurized eggs um, from the supermarket, and those pasteurized eggs are still, um, you, you'll, you'll buy them, and they, they still have uh, the liquid part of the egg in there. If you talk to some of the real kind of hardcore foodies, they'll tell you that there are some changes in the 
Um, they're basically flash pasteurizing the eggs. So the foodies will tell you that there are some changes to the quality and uh, texture and mouthfeel of, of those eggs. But if you want your, your, your Caesar salad and all those type of things and you are older and younger, usually th- those people, their immune system are not always as well developed as people that are uh, kind of in the middle of their life or people that are probably above 10 years old and below 70 years oldish or so. Um, that might be something to consider. The next thing I want to talk about, I said 1 in 10,000 commercial eggs have salmonella enteritis in it. So the next question that people ask me is like, well, I have a backyard flock. Those are the only eggs I eat. Or I I only purchase eggs from this pastured system, and they have less salmonella, I think, because, you know, these birds are out in the middle of nature, et cetera, et cetera. We've done some work on that, um, comparing and contrasting. In California, um, the prevalence, how much salmonella enteritis is in standard commercial um, uh, layer farms compared to these non-conventional pastured farms, which are pretty popular out here, compared to backyard kind of operations, which are very popular out here, um, as they are um, in other parts of the country. And the interesting observation we've come to, there's a little apples and oranges there, but if I really try to kind of give you uh, an overview on what the result is, the, the general result is that it's about the same. So that if we're mm-hmm. thinking just about salmonella enteritis risk, um, whether you purchase eggs from uh, a large commercial operation that sells it to a, a large retailer, or whether you have them in your backyard, or whether you buy them from some type of non-conventional commercial farm uh, at a farmer's market or whatever it be, um, the risk for salmonella is roughly the same. So uh, want to make sure so that we're kind of dealing, just wanted to lay that out there because we're kind of started, we're, we're dealing with, with, with a relatively even playing field, depending, it uh, doesn't matter where you're getting your eggs from. The mm-hmm. next thing I wanted to mention before we talk a little about, um, start talking a little about washing eggs and not washing eggs, is that a clean egg, you should always expect to have clean eggs. In fact, um, 95%, um, at least 95% of the eggs that you collect should be clean. So um, those eggs, if you're, if you're using them for home consumption, there is no reason to wash them at all. Um, once you start selling eggs, then some federal rules start kicking in. You have to talk to some of the regulatory veterinarians. But in the United States, if you do sell eggs, uh, for the most part, you are a commercial egg handler, and I think the regulations basically require you to wash your eggs. But if we're dealing with people that are, that are, that are um, backyarders, Um, If you have 95% of your eggs are clean, we're only really having this argument over 5% of your eggs. So that's another important caveat, you know, that we're we're, we're really talking about kind of those eggs on the fringe. If you have 10, 15, 20, 30% dirty eggs, there's something going on. And that's probably the most important part of our conversation today is that you need to address what's going on there because if you're having that many dirty eggs there's some husbandry practices that you probably need to to consider optimizing so you want to think about you know the quality of your nest boxes are you are you keeping your nest boxes clean uh, if the nest box, uh, if the material that you have in there, whether it's straw or hay or whatever it be, if that material is dirty, you're probably going to have a dirty egg um, because that egg is going to be laid on that dirty material. It's really important to make sure that the perches um, that you have in, if you do have perches, that perches are higher than the nest box because if the perches are lower, birds like to be high. It, it allows them um, kind of innately feel, they feel protected that way. 
So if, you're, if your perches are low, they're not going to use the perches as much as they're going to use nest boxes. And the nest boxes they start perching on, and you're going to get fecal material then all over your nest box because they're using the nest box not just for a nest box, they're using it also as a perch um, at night primarily. So you need to think about those type of husbandry practices, cleaning the bedding. Um, you want to collect eggs regularly, at least once a day, um, especially in you know extreme climates. You want to do it more often. Uh, warmer temperatures, you know, salmonella can grow um, up to temperatures of about 108 degrees Fahrenheit, and actually fairly well at those temperatures. So uh, if you are kind of leaving your eggs outdoors in a warm environment in the summer. Uh, for over 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, you're basically um, kind of playing with fire a little and that you're letting those eggs, um, which is a perfect media for salmonella, if there's salmonella in there, you're allowing those eggs to kind of uh, incubate and uh, allowing um, different organisms to grow there. You also want to think, think, think about things like biosecurity and especially rodent control. So, you know, the question I always ask people is how does salmonella get onto your farm? It just doesn't walk there has to be carried by something, and rodents are a great uh, vector for uh, control for carrying salmonella onto your farm. The rodents are going into your coop because they want to get a hold of water and food. They like the same things that the chickens eat, and that's a great way, since they're going for the water and food, they're going to be pooping there, and the birds are going to eat that poop, and that's the most common way that we think that salmonella is being spread um, from rodents that are infected to, um, to birds that are infected. So that whole mechanism, that whole husbandry practices, uh, biosecurity, um, the husbandry setup that you have is really essential to making sure you have clean eggs. And then, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully we're only arguing about 5% of your eggs that are, um, that are not clean. So I've looked, so now we're dealing with those 5% of the eggs that are, um, that are not clean. And, and if we can kind of sort of agree that in general, um, we're not going to wash, especially for backyard purposes. Again, the USD requires to, you to wash eggs, um, but if we're talking about only those 5% of the eggs that are, that are, not, that are dirty, what we're going to do with them, I've kind of looked at what commercial, what, I, I know what the commercial industry does, and I've been looking at, you know, via YouTube videos and talking to owners for a while and seeing what's out there, I've kind of come up with an alternative approach that, that might be useful to people. It's really, really cost-effective, um, and I'm going to kind of outline that for you guys right now, um, and hopefully that will be useful. Um, so like I said, the first thing is to collect eggs. So you always want to collect eggs at least once a day. Uh, eggs are typically late in the morning, so you want to be able to pick them up um, by uh, late morning at the latest. Um, once, uh, once you've collected the eggs, the dirty eggs should be separated from the clean eggs. Um, so if you have over, I would say, 10% of your eggs are dirty, that's a pretty good uh, margin there. If, if over 10% of your eggs are, are dirty, you really need to consider husbandry practices. You shouldn't have have, have that many dirty eggs. Um, and we talked about some of the things that you need to consider uh, with respect to husbandry and biosecurity and, and rodent control, for example. Now, here's where there's a lot of different opinions. So you've collected the eggs. You've put the dirties in one area, the cleans in another. Um, one thing, if you are risk adverse, so uh, this is more of a psychology question here, but if you are risk adverse, you should seriously consider throwing those soiled eggs out. Um, if they've got a lot of poop on them um, and you are squeamish about poop or you are immunocompromised or you have young children or you're sharing these eggs with your neighbors, you don't know what their um, food safety practices are like, those are ones that 
you know, you 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 should consider not 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 having. And that's 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 that would be the most risk adverse thing to do. Um, the other thing I would suggest is even for clean eggs, if you have cracked eggs or checked eggs, so a, a leaker is an egg that um, the crack or break um, causes the shell contents to start leaking out, versus a checked egg where you have a cracked egg that has broken the shell, um, but the membranes are still intact. Those two scenarios, those eggs commercially would be discarded. So I would highly consider and recommend that those eggs, and you shouldn't have very many of those either, you should have less than 5% of those, that those um, checks and leakers be discarded because now you've really created a very nice route for bacteria to move into the internal contents of that egg. Um, the shell is no longer intact. So that would be um, things that I would consider. The clean eggs I would refrigerate immediately after daily collection. Um, the only time I would not refrigerate clean eggs immediately um, is, and this is very common in other parts of the world, is if you do not have a good stable source of uh, electricity with, res with respect to your refrigerator. So if you take warm eggs um, that you or cold eggs, and let's say you put your eggs in the refrigerator, and then the refrigerator breaks down and it gets warm, and then you plug the refrigerator in and it's working again, and you go through these warm and cool cycles over and over again, your eggs begin to sweat. So you get condensation on the outside of the egg. And a dry egg, it's really hard to drive bacteria from the outside to the inside of the egg in a dry egg. But in a wet egg, um, you've got that moisture, and that moisture is a great vector, if you will, uh, for moving uh, all kinds of things, including bacteria, into the internal contents of the egg. So mm -hmm. most of us are very fortunate, and we live in a part of the world where electricity is, is pretty much free, is, is available. It's not free, obviously, but it's, it's available consistently. So in our world, I would strongly suggest that you take your eggs and you refrigerate them. And there's been reports that show um, and research that's shown that you're not only protecting against salmonella. So salmonella doesn't grow very well in a refrigerator, but it does grow very well at room temperature. But you're also thinking about the shelf life of the eggs. So we talked about that a little earlier. So the shelf life of a typical egg that's refrigerated can be up to around 50 days. The shelf life mm -hmm. of an identical egg that is not stored in a refrigerator is about 21 days. So every day you're storing it at room temperature um, is the equivalent of two days, almost the equivalent of about two and a half days in the refrigerator. So... One thing when people say, well, people are refrigerating their eggs or are not refrigerating their eggs all the time, you have to consider, and, and, I've, and I've had this situation happen where I've done some travel in Southeast Asia where there's just not very much uh, consistent electricity, and they do not refrigerate their eggs. And I've been in Europe um, where they have much more consistent electricity, and they do not refrigerate their eggs. But when you're in a developing part of the world, I would highly recommend not refrigerating your eggs. If you are in the developed world, I would recommend refrigerating your eggs, in part because of that shelf life issue. Your, your food would last longer. And uh, salmonella, among other bacteria, grows best at body temperature. So we're 98.6. Um, salmonella grows, it has been adapted to grow at that temperature. That, that's one of the reasons salmonella does so well in our bodies, because it grows at that temperature. If we put salmonella at 4 degrees Celsius at a much cooler temperature, temperature like a refrigerator, it will not grow very successfully. So those are those are things to kind of balance things out. Now, let's say you're dealing with the dirty eggs. Now, let's say you have eggs that are dirty, that are soiled, 
Um, they are not leakers, and they are not checked eggs. And you're like, okay, you want to save those because you're going to cook them, you want to clean them, you don't want to waste food. I would fall into that camp. I would, I would probably say those are eggs that I'm going to cook. There's no, I would see it as, as wastage on my part if, if I just threw those eggs out, but other people might see it differently, and I would respect that opinion. But um, in that situation, I would not put the eggs in the refrigerator yet. The first thing I would do before um, I would uh, put them in the refrigerator is I would use sandpaper or my hand to kind of scrape off um, that fecal material that's on the outside, that dirt slash fecal material that's on the outside. Um, and the reason I want to do that is because if I'm going to wash my eggs, the detergents and sanitizers are not effective unless the organic material is removed. So the bleaches and the quaternary ammonias, which are great sanitizers, they are horrible sanitizers if you have a lot of dirt and other organic material um, on the surface of the egg. You can't disinfect dirt. It just doesn't work. So it's so thick, <laughs> and there's enough of it on there that, that unless you're really going to like soak an egg in bleach, which I would not recommend, um, you're not going to be successful there. The next thing I would do is, again, if, if we're dealing with people that have, let's say, 10 birds or less or something like that, there are a lot of great systems out there, um, washing systems. And you could spend you know, probably anywhere just from my Googling searching uh, $150 to $300 on egg washing equipment. And there's a lot of great stuff online, too, about you know, how to do it um, on the cheap, which is, is, is I think, um, for the most part, just as effective. So what I would suggest is we don't want to typically put eggs, immerse eggs underwater. Um, mm -hmm. So I have seen a lot of YouTube videos where people are immersing eggs underwater, and I get the kind of um, people are kind of saying, well, they don't, you know, I, you can do what you want, and this is okay, and it's your opinion. Um, the reason that I don't like that immersion of eggs is if you do that incorrectly, you're playing with fire. You really are. And this is where the Europeans come in about not wanting to wash eggs because if you wash mm -hmm. eggs incorrectly, if that wash water is dirty, if you've got 30 eggs and you're using the same wash water for all of them, then you get to the 29th and 30th egg, and now you're really getting, um, you're getting the potential to, to push those bacteria that are in that wash water into the internal contents of the egg. So to avoid that, what I would suggest is uh, use the sandpaper. Now, people don't like sandpaper in part. Some people don't like sandpaper because um, it's going to make those pores bigger, and I agree with that, but I want to get rid of that organic material. So if you use your fingernail, if you use a, if, it, if it'll just come off nice and smoothly with a, a washcloth or um, some kind of towelette or something like that, totally fine with that. Sandpaper I like because it, it's, it's a nice way to kind of almost take a layer of crud off if there's that kind of crud uh, or organic material on there. But there is a disadvantage potentially to that. The next thing I would do is use washcloths. Instead of putting eggs underwater and potentially doing things incorrectly, um, I like the idea of using a washcloth. And what I would do is, so to give you a little background, so the, F, the USDA requires that the um, wash water of eggs be a minimum of 90 degrees Fahrenheit, a maximum of 120 degrees Fahrenheit, and at least 20 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the internal temperature of the egg. So with that in mind, what I would tell people to do is just take a washcloth, dip it in 90 degree Fahrenheit to 105 degree Fahrenheit water, 
since you you haven't put those eggs in the refrigerator, you can go on the higher end of that. You can go up to 105, 106, 107. Dip it in water with a um, commercial uh, egg detergent in there and wipe the uh, external surface of the egg. This is after you've removed the crud. Now you've, now you've wiped it with the detergent. And then what I would do is I would um, take another washcloth just with uh, warm water on it and remove the detergent. And then what I would do is I would sanitize it, and I would take about one, uh, one tablespoon of bleach and a gallon of water, and again, or you can use a Clorox, um, one of those uh, Clorox wipes, and I would wipe the external um, surface of the egg. So I'm not dipping the egg in water. Um, so I'm not running, in my mind, the potential risk. And if you look at the, 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 um, the literature, it suggests that the longer that you're soaking these eggs, and I've seen some YouTube videos where they're really soaking these eggs, you really run the potential of pushing uh, the, the, um, some of the bacterial contents on the surface of the egg into the egg. So by wiping it, I think you're, you're reducing the risk of kind of dunking it in water for a long period of time. You're not giving it a huge wipe. You're just a nice, nice, gentle wipe. And then the most importantly, or not most importantly, you really need to dry the external surface of the egg. Drying is so important, so just don't air dry them. And the reason drying is so important, as I alluded to earlier, is because if you don't dry the eggs, when, when, you, when you have dry eggs, it's much harder for bacteria to move to the inside of um, the egg itself. So just kind of to review, think, if, uh, if you – sorry, go on. After uh, discussing all those steps, you, you probably just talked to myself and a lot of other people and just discarding the egg. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Four eggs, six eggs with some, some poop on them, and I can spend the next uh, 45 minutes cleaning these six eggs or I can <laughs> – <laughs> so I think we just uh, talked a lot of people into just maybe discarding those uh, eggs. Now, two things regarding um, that and, and the soaking, or at least one thing here, and that is there's this huge, again, it's gone viral, and there's YouTube videos on this. There's even diagrams on this drawn out, and that is the age-old question, um, I found some eggs in my yard. It was a nest back nest. Uh, they were laying where I didn't know they were laying, and I found them. And are they safe to eat? And, and <laughs> you don't know how long they've been there, but are, are they coming? And they say, okay, what you need to do to to know that if this egg is fresh or not, not if it's good to eat or not, but if it's fresh or not. I think people uh, online often get that confused. Is to do a float test. So they say, fill the sink up with water, or fill a fill fill a tea pitcher up with water, and then drop the egg in there. And if it kind of floats, then it's not good. And if it sinks, it's good. And we just submerge that egg. So doing the float test almost is a no-no. It may tell you if it's, quote-unquote, maybe fresh or not, not necessarily that it's good or not, um, but that we just kind of made a no-no regarding submerging the egg in water. So it, I, you may have seen that, but it's it's gone viral as well. The float test, how do I know how an egg is. And I have to, sometimes I'll try to clarify that when I see this post. I'm like, folks, this is not telling you if it's good or not. It just might, based on the air cell over time, may more. And, and so it may give you a, a fresher egg uh, than the age, but not necessarily if it's good or not. But yet to test this, we're, we're dropping it in a, a pail of water and we're submerging yeah. it. So right there, doing the test already is kind of a, a mark against the, the safety issue that we're talking about today. So now we know how perfect it is, but we just may have contaminated it <laughs> with something by doing a test. So I wanted to yeah. share that with folks too because that's, and, that's and all you, over. The 
the only quick thing I'd say to that is it, it's not the end of the world if your egg is submerged in water for a handful of seconds. But um, uh-huh. it's the longer, when you start getting to, you know, 30 seconds and beyond, that's, and I've seen this on several videos, I, I, I'm really uncomfortable with that. Um, for some of the reasons we mentioned before, you're just you're just increasing the potential. If that if that water has any dirt in it, uh, if those eggs have dirt in it, uh, you're just increasing the potential to drive bacteria into um, the inside of that egg. So um, you are question. absolutely right, though, with the air cell. As far as that, that that is one way, and I haven't done it, but it's one way to know an older egg versus an earlier egg. The older eggs have a larger air cell and are more likely to float. Next question related. I know listeners are probably thinking the same thing, so I'm going to ask. Uh, we, we just went through um, talking about separating the soiled eggs, meaning it's got uh, fecal matter on them and, and the other, and then now we went through all these steps with the how to uh, clean the eggs with the fecal matter on them. And, and I know all day long we have listeners that are saying, but wait, there's the bloom. It's protect, and you may have a whole segment on this here in a few minutes, so that's fine if we want to, uh, you know, wait until then. But but since it was people, I know people who are listening were thinking, but but wait, the, the egg is still protected because it has the bloom on it. So even poop on the egg doesn't matter because there's the bloom. See, see where I'm going? Right. Everything to fall back on the bloom. So um, if if you're going to cover the bloom here in a few minutes, great. If not, um, what kind of what's our uh, what's your opinion on on that? comment of, well, well, why do I need to do all this? There's the bloom. <laughs> so so the, the bloom is, is our friend, and I totally agree with that, but the bloom is not bactericidal. It's bacteriostatic primarily, and there's a big difference in that. Bactericidal means it's killing bacteria. Bacteriostatic means it, the bacteria that are there just can't grow anymore. They're kind of stuck. Um, they're not mm-hmm. growing. So if you looked at the, an egg, if you washed the outside of an egg and you grew um, whatever bacteria were on the outside, you literally find, on average, about a million bacteria on the surface of the egg. Now, as your listeners know, not all bacteria are bad. In fact, most bacteria are actually really good, um, but there mm-hmm. can be some bad bacteria hiding in that. A washed egg um, typically has gone from 10 to the 6 bacteria, about a million bacteria, to closer to 100 bacteria on the surface of the egg. So the bloom is great. The cuticle is, is really good as far as its bacteriostatic properties and maybe some bactericidal properties. But the idea that it will control any type of microbial growth um, and, and basically make your egg sterile, which even washing doesn't do, um, is, 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 would just be incorrect. It's just unfortunately nature um, is, is – um, there's no absolutes in nature, so it's, there's usually kind of degrees. And the bloom is, is like I said, it's, it's, it's bacteriocidal. It's bacteriostatic primarily, not not bacteriocidal, unfortunately. Another question that that I often share when when you see these folks that they'll just post, we're the only country that refrigerates our eggs, and I, you know, it's like, no, no, that is that's not true. Um, but but it's just a, a catch line that gets people's attention. Um, do does this sometimes play? into the reasoning is that some countries, uh, whether it be mandatory or not, for the most part, their commercial eggs, they, they vaccinate for salmonella. So I, I think sometimes we miss things. We see that big headline and then all of a sudden, well, well, why don't they? And now we've talked about the, the, the questionable refrigeration uh, uh, 
that they've got or don't have, and then issues that, well, this country, it's mandatory that they vaccinate all their hens for salmonella. So that may contribute to them not um, refrigerating the eggs while while they're in the store. So would that play any part of that? Well, so, you know, because a lot of people just say, oh, they just don't do it. It's not needed to because of the bloom. And, and they yep. don't realize that they may vaccinate for salmonella, and, and we don't routinely hear at all. And some some do, but the, by far the majority do not vaccinate for salmonella. Correct. So you've you've hit on a couple of really interesting points. So first of all, there are countries that do um, refrigerate their eggs, other than the United States. So Japan comes to mind. Some of the Scandinavian countries. But your listeners are right, the people that would com- that would argue against it, saying, uh, in in fact, most countries in the world do not uh, refrigerate their eggs. But it's an apples and oranges comparison, and you've really hit a really important topic here. Um, in the EU, you are required to vaccinate your hens against salmonella. In the United States, you are not. In California, you are, um, so just as a, as, a, as a small caveat. But what I would say then is that in the EU, they, they, that vaccination, they have very low rates of salmonellosis in their human population. Probably for several reasons, including their vaccination program um, in, in their layer hens. There are cost issues. We're a much larger country, different infrastructure that we have. We haven't made the decision to require that and the cost increases that might be associated with that for a relatively inexpensive source of protein. We just haven't made that calculation and decision like the EU has. But in the EU, where they do vaccinate, they do have much lower uh, rates of salmonellosis, and they keep their eggs at room temperature. So the goal, again, is we're trying to get rid of primarily salmonella enteritis. The way the EU does it is they, quote-unquote, believe in the cuticle, they vaccinate their birds, um, and they keep them at room temperature. Now, their logic for keeping them at room temperature is that if you take a refrigerated egg, and then you come home from the store with that refrigerated egg on the metro, and it's really warm, and it's taken 40 minutes to get home. Now you're getting that that cold, warm, cold, warm, if you put it right back in the refrigerator when you get home. Now you've gone from cold to warm back to cold again, and now you're starting to get the sweating scenario occurring. Um, so they've decided that they don't, they don't, they, they, they don't trust, they, they think that's a bigger risk than what we do in the U.S. Now in the U.S., we go shopping less often um, than they do in Europe. So in Europe, when you buy a half dozen eggs, you have to go back to the store two or three days later to get more eggs. You can't really um, go to the, uh, you know, buy 24 eggs at a time. Like it's, it's relatively easy to hear at some of the larger stores. Um, so it's really a, a philosophical approach. The EU has their own approach on how they want to reduce salmonella enteritis in the, in the population, uh, salmonellosis uh, infection in the population from salmonella enteritis. And in the U.S., we have our own approach toward doing it. Um, and commercially, I really do see the advantage of washing eggs if done correctly, but I do get squeamish about some of the videos and some of the, the things where people are really dunking eggs in water. They're using cold water. Um, instead of warm water, and when you use cold water, you have even more potential for um, that um, the material from the outside moving inside the egg. And warm water is going to be much more effective at killing salmonella. So the warmer water you use, the better. So uh, one thing is if you take your dirty eggs and you put them in the refrigerator and then you decide to wash them, well, now you have to take those, those, war- those cold eggs and get them to room temperature. Right. 
Um, and then you can try washing them in whatever methodology you want to use at that point. But now you're, again, going cold, warm, cold, warm, and that's not really ideal. In the commercial world in the U.S., we have inline systems, and those eggs are laid and they're washed within you know, an hour at the most. A couple more here. I'm, I'm doing the questions here because, uh, again, I think these are questions our listeners might have. We talked about the biosecurity, you know, Prevention is much better than, than having to deal with this. And you talked about biosecurity. We, we've always talked about biosecurity on the show um, and in the magazine and elsewhere. We talked about rodents. We always preach about the you know rodent control all the time. Um, and But let's, I'm going to add one more in there that seems to be uh, popular that we talk about and, and, and a lot talk about in my speaking engagements, and that is the wild birds population. Is Are, are they – I know rodents probably – uh, or number one, but uh, the and, and I'm leading into this saying, okay, if you've got the bird baths and the, and the wild bird feeders, we talk about moving those to the side of the house, the front of the house, uh, just outside of the backyard where your birds have access to them. Uh, is this the, the the can this be spread through wild birds in that that setting of oh, I got the wild bird feeder and the wild bird bath, and my backyard chickens have access to all that as well. Uh, is wild birds also I think you point a, a vector for the Salmonella enteriteris? Yep, so absolutely. So birds, um, okay. there's more similarities than differences, so absolutely birds can be a source also. Okay. And that leads yeah. to my last question, and we'll, we'll continue, is that we talked about salmonella on the inside of the egg, and I wanted to touch on versus the outside of the egg. So we've got the, um, the, the inter, inter, I can never can't pronounce that, interiteris, I guess. Yep, um, interiteris, so we're talking yeah. about, Which is the really the number one, I guess, inside the egg that, you know, when we had the half a billion eggs recalled back in 2010, I think it was, that that was what we were dealing with inside of the egg, people not cooking. But we also, and, and I don't want to, you know, totally maybe a different show, and we've covered this before, the issue, like with the salmonella outbreak we have now um, with eight different strains of salmonella, um, is in the the fecal matter, not necessarily inside the egg, uh, but but really in the poop. So we've got that salmonella that's now in the poop, that's could, which could be on the egg or on the poop on the egg. And you have poop in the in the run, and it can, the salmonella can travel through dust. So I wanted to make, I, I guess, clear to the folks listening that I, I guess this is apples and oranges as well, maybe Doc, because now we've got the salmonella break we try to educate on now, which is these all these salmonella hadar and in, in Indiana and um, I'm trying to think all the other there's eight different types right now that in this current outbreak and that's mm-hmm. that's more because people say well I just have to cook my eggs good but in, in, but then we have to go further when we educate and say no this this is more in the poop of the baby chick and then in the poop of the chicken which then you you touch the poop you clean the water you clean the feeder you're cleaning the poop and you and you don't wash your hands and you touch your mouth and not necessarily coming from inside the egg. In fact, you could get the salmonella from from your chickens that aren't even laying yet due to the salmonella that's found in the poop. So I guess totally apples and oranges, uh, another topic, another day type of thing. Um, am I kind of explaining that for our listeners correctly? No, that's, that's, those are really great points. So um, the reality is salmonella can be transmitted vertically and, and horizontally. So it can go from pooped, uh, for, you can have a, an egg that's pooped out and another bird comes over and then eats part of uh, that poop, and that would be what we call horizontal transmission. But you can also have uh, chicks that are, um, um, before they're even hatched, that can have uh, salmonella uh, in their, uh, that can already be carriers because the, the mom, the hen, 
um, was a carrier. So backyard farms is very challenging, and some of these smaller commercial farms is real challenging because sometimes uh, they kind of have mixed-aged flocks, and older birds are typically more likely to be carriers than younger birds. Um, so you have this cycle, uh, and you're perpetuating uh, constant infection of younger birds because you're not separating them from your older birds. Um, and that can be a real, a real challenge, and especially uh, probably very common in, in the outbreak that you're describing is, is probably one of the, the main troubling points. We've talked about that. We probably need to do a show on that, recommending not to be keeping those different age, age birds yeah. together. I've got a little commercial break. I'm done with my questions that I've written down up to this point. When we come back, we'll have you continue on, on your outline and what you wanted to share and get kind of back track on that. But I definitely wanted to share these questions because I figured that these questions some of our listeners had uh, as well. So, folks, uh, thank you for staying with us. Make sure you get that pen and paper out. We're going to go to a short break, second commercial break, only two in the whole show, and we'll come back and we'll continue with our guest today, Dr. Maurice Teske, uh, veterinarian uh, out at UC Davis, and uh, we'll continue right after this short break, so stay with us. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. 
Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Today we're talking with uh, Dr. Maurice Petesky, uh, Dr. of Veterinary Medicine over at UC Davis and epidemiologist, I believe, as well. And um, we're talking about that controversial subject of washing and refrigerating eggs. Hopefully you've been taking notes. It's been fascinating. If you have any questions, please post them in the uh, chat room as well. We'll try to get those on. But right now we're going to hand it right back over to uh, Doc, and he'll continue on with what he wanted to share with us today. Yeah, so just a couple um, more points I really wanted to make. Uh, One thing I didn't get to mention about the EU that, again, is kind of that apples and oranges difference is that they, uh, in the U.S., we primarily eat uh, white eggs. Uh, In the EU, they primarily eat brown eggs. There are no nutritional differences between the two. But in the EU, even if they wanted to wash the eggs, because they prefer the brown eggs, it's much harder to detect fecal material in a brown egg than a white egg, especially from a large farm where you have a lot of these... um, um, uh, sensors that are automatically detecting that material. So you get a lot of false positives and um, the instrumentation would be a little more challenging to do. So that's another reason potentially why uh, they don't wash eggs there. It's just not, uh, the logistics of it would be a little more challenging because of their preference for brown eggs uh, versus North America where for whatever reason we prefer white eggs. Um, so a couple other things I just wanted to mention and kind of just tells for people that are washing eggs, like, again, I said I'm I'm agnostic on that as long as you do it correctly. And just a couple things just from videos and talking to backyard enthusiasts that I've noticed in the past. Um, So kind of do nots of of bad washing um, is is I've noticed there are some people that uh, do not use the uh, proper temperature. Uh, So, again, you want that wash water. Uh, that washcloth in, in, the, in, the, in the scenario I sketched out, or the wash water, if you're going to uh, wash the eggs, um, you want that wash water um, to be at least 90 degrees Fahrenheit and up to about 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and so I've, I've seen it several times on videos and from talking to people that they use, they do not use that. Um, the other thing is soaking the eggs. So that's a really common thing on videos that I've seen. Um, you don't want to soak the eggs for more than one minute. Um, there's been a lot of um, 
of literature um, that basically shows that the longer you soak the eggs, you're, you're basically facilitating microbial uh, penetration of the egg. Once those bacteria move into the egg, they really have to get to the yolk before they can really start doing some uh, growing and dividing, growing and dividing to get to the levels that would cause disease. Um, but, um, and there's a lot of things on the inside that are similar to uh, the bloom that have all types of antimicrobial properties, um, but bacteria can um, get obviously past the shell and then past um, a lot of those different enzymes and other uh, physical structures to get into the yolk. And once they're in the yolk, then um, especially at room temperature, um, you're, you're really going to start having um, microbial growth. And if it's a, a pathogenic uh, microbe, like some of the um, salmonellas can be, especially the non-typhoidal salmonellas, and that can, that can certainly be a, a food safety risk. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the bad part about washing we already talked about is you do remove the cuticle. So um, if, you, if you do believe in the cuticle, the, the washing part um, would, would remove that. Um, and then the other thing is don't wash a cold egg. Um, so first of all, if you need that 90 degrees Fahrenheit and you wash a cold egg, you're going to get what are called thermal checks. Um, and those can cause um, those, those checks that we talked about before where the, you don't have a leak or the contents of the egg are not coming out. But um, um, you do have um, the membrane is, is more accessible to uh, bacteria, for example. Um, so you need to make sure that you're not washing those cold eggs um, as opposed to at least at the minimum room temperature eggs. In the perfect world, in the commercial world, those eggs are laid, um, and then they go on a conveyor belt right to the processing facility where they're washed. The internal temperature of the egg at that point is still about 100 degrees F, so they can use wash water um, 20 degrees warmer up to about 120 degrees. Uh, usually, I think most commercial producers, if you look at the literature, is about 108, 109 degrees, um, which is typically right on the edge of where salmonella could, could, could grow. Okay. Um, and the last thing I really wanted to mention is uh, for people that do wash the eggs, um, we're obviously have a very large country, and, and our water quality is a lot different in um, the different places in the world that we go to. Um, so the one thing I really wanted to stress is iron is um, something that bacteria um, um, utilize and need in order to thrive. So it is not a bad idea, and uh, some people, um, their water sources change throughout the year, uh, aquifers versus surface water. So it is not a bad idea to have uh, your water tested uh, to see if you have greater than two part per million iron in your water. Um, because if you do, um, that is one of the things that um, uh, bacteria need in order to, to grow and be successful. So um, you need to be very careful about that because now you're creating – um, you know, when you're when you're putting you know, when you're when you're putting those those eggs into into water, when you are um, soaking them, for example, um, now you're creating um, a nice um, potential media for them to start for bacteria uh, to start growing and dividing again. There it is. Um, I put my mic up to um, write something down here. The, now, just a second ago, you were talking about do not wash a cold egg, and mm -hmm. you were going through periods of that. So oftentimes on tour and, and even online, uh, we'll see folks say, well, I, I collect all the eggs, and I immediately put them in the refrigerator because I feel that refrigeration is important, but then I'll take them out of the fridge when it's time to use them, and wash them before I'm using them. So, so that, on uh, as far as your concern, I don't know what, what you call it a no-no or frowned upon, but I, I do hear that 
quite often is that, hey, you know, I, I value refrigeration, but I, I love the bloom, and they fall into that category. And so they're like, hey, I collect them, I refrigerate, and then I take it out of the refrigerator and wash it before I use it. And that's, for those reasons you discussed, probably not favored. Yeah, so kind of in that long egg washing manifesto I gave earlier, um, <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the reasons I would say the, the 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 clean eggs should go straight to the refrigerator. The dirty eggs, um, I'm not opposed to to in a perfect world, you should probably just wash right there, uh, clean and wash right there, and then put in the refrigerator, as opposed to um, taking all, which would be more time efficient. The, the the what I'm just about to describe, where you would just put all the eggs in the refrigerator. And then the dirty ones, you do them all like in a batch together. Um, the only problem with that is then all those eggs have to come out. They have to go to room temperature. Then you have to wash them. Um, so now you're having that potential of the sweating issue and stuff like that. Plus, you have a dirty egg that's been sitting in the refrigerator for a week. Bacteria don't like 4 degrees Celsius, the bacteria that grow in our bodies. But um, uh, that doesn't mean they can't survive and grow slowly at that temperature. So it's not ideal to have, you know, kind of poop in your refrigerator on food that you potentially might consume eventually. Um, but, um, you know, the perfect scenario is, is that you would take those, those dirty eggs and address the issue while the eggs are still warm or room temperature and then um, put them in the refrigerator. And then you can't, um, like when we talk about this, you cannot really disinfect wood products or say the, cartons, egg cartons, a styrofoam, or the, or the um, cardboard cartons, you, you can't sanitize that, So or disinfect those. So you, if you use that and you use this carton for eggs that may have poop on them, and then you then you just use this carton all the time, then you put maybe the clean eggs in there, well, you're defeating the purpose because the eggs you had in there before had poop on them because they weren't washed, and so I want people to understand that that as well. We talked about that in the webinar, that you can't really disinfect and sanitize wood products or, uh, or cartons like the cardboard cartons or uh, the uh, styrofoam cartons. So I want to share that with folks as well. Yeah, no, that's that's, um, a, that's a great point. I've seen that quite a quite a few times where people are just recycling those those cartons, and especially the the cardboard ones. Um, you cannot obviously clean those at all. Um, so it's really important to um, be judicious about that. I'm I'm going to say if you go to your friend's house and you're going to collect eggs over there, they're on holiday or something like that, and then you're going to go take that carton and back to your um, backyard uh, flock and collect some eggs there, you've just created a, a great way to transfer disease from one backyard flock to another. So you need to be real cautious about reusing any equipment, um, including um, any kind of egg collection baskets or cartons that you might have. One last question from the chat room. and uh, What is the best temperature to store eggs in the fridge and outside the fridge? So gonna, in the fridge, uh, in the fridge is four degrees Celsius. Um, it is kind of interesting where the you know the the clever um, engineers who designed refrigerators put those nice little uh, trays in the refrigerator in the door. Um, if you do look at the kind of temperature profile of a refrigerator, that's kind of the warmest part of the fridge. So if you talk to the food safety folks, they they admire the engineers. Um, 
the ergonomics of the refrigerator as far as putting the eggs in that nice little door tray there because it just fits really perfectly <laughs> there. But they don't admire their, their food safety knowledge because in the perfect world it would go a little further in the internal part of the refrigerator. Um, at some level we're kind of just dealing with, you know, kind of marginal issues there unless you – I mean, I think most modern refrigerators are probably pretty good at keeping that close enough to 4 degrees Celsius, but um, that could be an, an issue there. Outside of the refrigerator um, – you know, it, it, it you don't want it to be, to be too hot um, because salmonella can grow at um, in body temperature. So especially in the summertime when it's nice and humid, um, that's not an ideal temperature for, for any kind of um, uncooked um, food to kind of be um, maintained at. So I'd say unless you're cooking with them, um, you want your eggs to be in the refrigerator. And then I, I don't know, I'm not... A professional chef, but I'm not sure if there's any reason you'd ever want eggs to be room temperature for cooking purposes. Um, but um, that would probably be someone else that would be able to, to answer that question. Okay, great. Very good. Um, let me go ahead and check and see if there's any questions over on our Facebook page. I don't think they were. I was just over there and uh, don't see any there. And I don't think that I have any more uh, either, Doc. So um, unless you have anything else, we'll go ahead and uh, r and wrap up the show today. No, the only thing I tell people is, is use common sense. Um, and it's it's always easier said than done. But um, the, the biggest thing, and I know it's it's we always go back to this, is uh, you shouldn't have that many dirty eggs in the first place, and um, mm -hmm. we really want to focus on all the husbandry and biosecurity practices that make sure that our flocks are, are healthy. And if our flocks are healthy and our husbandry practices are good, we should have healthy birds and, and healthy eggs for the most part. Very good. Hey, thank you very much for joining us today. A wealth of information. Um, Dr. Podesky comes on, I believe it's the second Thursday of every single month with some great information for us. He also writes an article in every issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. So uh, um, great value, uh, an asset to have uh, have with us uh, all the time in many of the things that we do here. So, Doc, thank you very much for joining us. Hope you have a great week. You too. Thanks, Andy. Great. Thank you very much. Um, Alrighty, uh, wrapping up another great show, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Combot Feeds. We really appreciate, again, Dr. Maurice uh, Pateski coming on um, out from UC Davis. And want to remind everybody, if you missed it at the beginning of the show, um, the fall issue of Chicken Whisper magazine is now available. I'll be posting that on my Facebook page here shortly. The digital edition is free. You can subscribe to that for free. We encourage you to do that. We'll email it to you four times a year. If you like a good old-fashioned print magazine to sit in your easy chair on a Saturday while it's raining and read, uh, that is wonderful. Uh, we would uh, love for you to do that as well. It's $9.95 a year. The most affordable chicken magazine that is available on the planet, uh, and I would say the most accurate, because you're not going to see any chickens wearing diapers or chickens wearing clothes. You're not going to have a blogger writing for the magazine. Science-based, fact-based, study-based study information that you can use to raise a healthy flock of chickens in your backyard. So. Um, we encourage you to follow us there, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. You can read every issue absolutely free that we've ever done, three years' worth. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll return next week. And uh, I know we've got Dr. McRae, poultry scientist and professor, coming on next Thursday. The following Thursday we have um, Pierre Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, will be coming back. Uh, he's had some, a couple of health issues uh, last month, so uh, we're looking forward to having him back on again this month. And we're probably in the process of lining up some Tuesday 
safety shows as well, whether it be heritage poultry, showing poultry, sustainable living, um, and, and some other great topics that I know you're uh, anxious to hear from the show. So thank you very much for tuning uh, tuning in today, and uh, we'll say, uh, see you next week. We hope you have a fabulous week. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha